Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. something this morning hope you came ready we open up your bibles to matthew chapter 6 matthew chapter 6 we're going to continue in our series this is the way understanding the importance and power of prayer we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks and we've been talking about how jesus shouts the importance of prayer that the bible says that whenever jesus goes into the temple and he changes some things around he rearranges some things because they're in there selling and, and trading And Jesus comes in, and I know we like to talk about how he was in a fit of rage and started flipping tables, braiding whips, and hitting people. Listen, you believe the version of that that you want, but listen, what Jesus was really doing was symbolic. It was symbolic of a rearranging and a restorative nature of who he is. He comes in, and he drives them out, says, hey, we're not selling here. This is not the place. What does he go on to say? He echoes Isaiah and says this, that my house shall be known as a house of prayer. Jesus places importance on a church, a a gathering of believers should be known as a place that knows how to pray. And if we're honest, many of us, our prayer life truly does lack Some of you are looking at me going, Pastor, stop talking about me this morning. Listen, I'm talking about myself. There are times and seasons of life that I'm not going to lie. I've been through numerous times and go, prayer sometimes accidentally, and I say accidentally because we do it on purpose, because we let, it's not that we put it on the back burner on purpose, but we put everything else on the front burner on purpose. So subsequently, obviously, What happens next is prayer and everything else starts moving its way to the back of the line. And if we're really honest and we really look at ourselves, we don't know how to pray properly. We don't know how to communicate with God. We get awkward. We're like, "Uh, I don't know how to do this. And so we just don't. We just don't pray. I was talking to my son last night. I was talking to Gideon. And we were laying in bed. And it was his bedtime routine. And in our bedtime routines, we have prayer every night. So Gideon, they have like a little spreadsheet Pastor Chelsea made for them because, you know, they're kids. And so sometimes they're like, squirrel, you know. And when getting, you're like, hey, bedtime routine, go. They're like, what's next? What's next? We get tired of answering what's next. So we just made a, she made a spreadsheet for them. It's like, this is what you do with like picture icons and everything. It's amazing. And um, he gets to the end and he's like, it's prayer time. So I went and laid in bed with him and talking to him. And it's okay, bud. You pray first. He goes, but dad, I don't know how to pray. I was like, yes, you do. You know how to pray. We pray every night. You know how to pray. Yeah, but, but it just feels weird, like kind of awkward. Like I don't know what to say. And I looked at him, and I'm going to tell, tell you all the same thing I told him. Just talk to him. Do you know how to carry on a conversation? Okay. I mean, some of you are like, I don't know. If you know how to carry on a conversation, if you know how to talk, if you know how to express what's on your heart, guess what? You can pray. 
you can that is what prayer is at its core it's communication with a holy God who's listening and desiring to intervene in your situation we said it like this that I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote it because I don't want to to mess it up here but we talked about it in this way that prayer is an earthly license for a heavenly interference prayer is an earthly license for a heavenly interference we are giving God and the Holy Spirit access, saying you can interfere and move in this situation that I'm going through. So are you in Matthew chapter 6 this morning? I gave you a lot of time. If not, that's the New Testament, first book, Matthew chapter 6. That's the sixth chapter, So, one, and then the verse 5 is what we're going to start in. Now, Jesus is talking here before this, and he's saying, hey, don't be like the pagans that go around and just babble and babble and talk and talk and speak and speak in prayer but really just do nothing but to be seen. Listen, that's not how you're called to pray. And he talks about going to praying in private. Let me go ahead and balance this. I said this last week. I'll do a little recap here in the beginning. Uh, I'll say this last week of though, though Jesus is speaking about it here, what he's really talking about, the heart of what he's speaking about is, listen, don't go pray in front of people for attention. You, it, corporate prayer is important. That, that's why Jesus goes, think about this. It would be, it, it is it is the exact opposite for Jesus to go in and say, my house should be called a house of prayer, but don't corporately pray, okay? Some people have taken that and say, you shouldn't pray at all in corporate. Listen, no, we pray in corporate settings here at High Praise, okay? We have prayer nights, we have flow nights, we do things, we gather together and we pray. So Jesus here then comes in and says, don't just, don't just pray in public for attention, but rather go to the secret place, go to your prayer closet and pray. And he says, when you pray, listen, pray this way. Okay, this is what he says. Jesus said, in this manner, verse 5, therefore pray, our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you, Lord, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. But, Lord, let our hearts and our ears be open to receive of what you want said today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. I thank you that your word comes in power and might and accomplishes everything that it's set out to do. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. So last week we started breaking the scripture down because I, I said this last week and I'll say it again. It would be silly of us to say we need to be a house of prayer but not really focus in on how Jesus prayed. Rather just focus in on what makes us feel good in prayer. That is not what we need. We need to focus in on how Jesus prayed prayed and Jesus tells us he gives us a blueprint of prayer last week we begin to break down what it each part of the scripture and we didn't get real real far but the first part of it is our father in heaven hallowed be that name so what it starts with is an acknowledgement of our father understanding that prayer doesn't just affect me it affects us it's a corporate thing that we pray for us and we pray for others our father father is an acknowledgement of who he is in our life it is a recognition of god you are my father you are my source i call on your name the name above every other name and it says our father are in heaven in heaven establishes that he is over us he is a great God who is watching over and moving in our situations. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to be holy or set apart. So what is understanding is this. Whenever we're saying hallowed be your name, we're saying, Lord, your name is holy. Now, what is his name? 
hallowed be your name. Your name, he goes by many names. Many of the names we sang about uh, this morning in uh, that song, Not Alone. Pastor Chelsea and I actually wrote that song back in 2020. Um, I began to write the beginning of the song pre-COVID, right before COVID broke out. And Pastor Chelsea came along and we finished it together. But it is an incredible declaration. It's one of the songs we brought back. And I want you to understand, sometimes in worship and in praise, we don't feel the song. You know what I mean? If you're always waiting to feel something. <laughs> I'll say it like my dad said. If you want to feel lead, I can go get a pencil and make you feel lead. <laughs> if you're always waiting to feel lead for the moment to declare things, you will miss opportunities to declare things. That song is, it is word. It is the Bible. It is, it, it is scripture. It is names of God. So whenever you're singing that, I want you to understand Singing is prayer with melody. Singing is prayer. Worship is, is prayer with melody to it. So when we're, say, when we're singing, Adonai, Adonai, God who is me never leaves me. Adonai. When we're saying that, we are praying, Lord, I thank you. You are Adonai. Lord, I thank you that you're fighting for me. Lord, I thank you you are the miracle worker. Lord, you are the cre creative miracle worker. You do these things for me. And so I encourage you, sometimes songs don't feel like, man, I really just want to, I want to lay out in the glory right now. Sometimes you just got to praise and worship and sing, lift your hands and worship through the midst of all of that. And let me just tell you, you're kind, we're a little bit spoiled here at High Praise because we do have good worship. We, we have good praise. We have good worship, except for whenever I hit a wrong chord like this morning. But we won't talk about that. Just, that's, dirt, dirt, that's dirt under the rug, right? Was, nah. but, but we have good praise. We have good worship. I've been in some services, and maybe you have, where... It's a struggle. You know what I'm talking about? It's a struggle to really enter in. I'm thankful that we have set an atmosphere, and some of us were spoiled to the atmosphere of worship, so we just gotten spoiled so we don't actually enter in any longer. But let me encourage you to enter in and begin to acknowledge the name of the Lord in all of his great ways. Amen? Now, we're talking about your name. So he has many different names. I'll give you a few real quickly. You can write them down. I'm telling you, you have to write down fast. This was last week. I'm just giving a little recap for those who weren't here. Number one is Jehovah Sitkenu, which is the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Sitkenu. Well, I said this last week. We'll have a spelling bee on how to spell these. Sitkenu is T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U. T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U. Jehovah Shalom. It's the Lord our peace. Peace means harmony and contentment, satisfaction in life with the Lord. Amen? Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. Jehovah Rapha, he's the Lord, our healer. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. See, y'all just thought his name was Jesus, and that's it. Y'all just thought, yeah, God and Jesus and Holy Spirit. Praise God. We got the Trinity. That's, that's all we need. Listen, he's got, he goes by names. Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. And then the Lord of hosts, or Lord Sabaoth, which means the God who fights for me. And then Jesus, he's the, Lord, he's the God who saves, and he's the name above all names. Now, that's where we got to last week. I want to continue on this week. The next part of the scripture that Jesus teaches us is this. He says, pray, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. That means this. 
When we're praying your kingdom come, we are praying for the rule of God's kingdom. We're praying for the rule of God's kingdom. Now, I'm not talking about an over-spiritualized version of rule of God's kingdom. I'm talking about you pray for God's kingdom to be established in your life and God's kingdom to be established in the land that you're living in. Listen, there's divine order in the kingdom of God. So we should pray for a divine government. There is no kingdom, though, without a king. So when you're praying your kingdom come, first, before you can pray your kingdom come, you have to acknowledge him as king. He, you're not in the kingdom until he is king over your life. You are just an, a, a, I just want to say this, you're a beggar on the outside of the kingdom waiting to be, to be let in. But whenever I acknowledge him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, it puts me inside the kingdom. And now, now from that, his government can begin to show forth in my life. Even if it doesn't show forth the exact way I think it should, his government is still there. His kingdom come. Your kingdom come. So you got to place Jesus as king over your life. And the way that starts, the way it starts by putting Jesus as king of your life is putting your priorities in order. That's one of the best ways to put Jesus as king of your life is to put your priorities in order. That's one of the prayers you can have. You need to set priorities and order in your own life. You need order and you need priorities. My Pastor Robert always said it like this, glory follows order. If you want the glory of God to be poured out in your life, you need to get some order and structure to your life. Stop being lazy. Stop sitting around doing nothing. Stop just letting the days go by and not figuring out what you're going to do next. Put some order into things. You think about it. When Jesus, when you go and read in Genesis, it says that all is going, and he brings everything into order. He brings everything into order. And he begins to order things to take place in creation one by one by one by one. There is, God is really a God of order. And from that, creative and powerful things can begin to take place in your life. And then after that, after you get your priorities in order, guess what? You need to start praying for your family. Pray for your mate. Pray for your children. Pray for your spouse, your husband, your wife. Maybe your husband or wife to come in the future. Begin to pray for them. Pray for your church, your pastor your leaders, members of the church. Pray for other members. Uplift them in prayer throughout your week. You know people that you come into contact with here week to week. Reach out to them. Let them know that you're praying for them. Ask them if they need prayer for anything specific. Next, you can pray for your job. And once again, this is like a priority order too. Your job and your business. Pray for prosperity and blessings to begin to come within your, um, within your place of work. And next is your nation. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. Your nation, your president your governor, your mayor. You know, we're blessed here in Crestview because we really do. We have, a, we have an outstanding mayor, um, Mayor Witten. He is a Christian. He loves the Lord, and he desires to have churches work together to really further. He, he would probably never say it like this, but we say it like this because this is the way I know to say it because it's our vision. He really wants to further the kingdom of God here in this city, in this area. Now, as a governing official, he's somewhat limited in how much he can do, but he does do a great job of mobilizing the church to fulfill and do those things. And I'm grateful for the mayor that we have uh, here in, in our, our city. So I encourage you, pray for those. Pray for the president. Pray for the government. Pray for your governor. Pray for your mayor. The Bible actually commands us. Timothy encourages us to pray for those leaders and authorities. You know that? I'm going to read it to you. 1 Timothy 2. You can write it down. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2. Some of you know this scripture. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Somebody say all people. 
I'm going to read that again because maybe you might need to hear that again. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be prayed for people who don't look like you, don't act like you, don't think like you, have a different uh, orientation than you, all those different things. Guess what? The Bible still commands you to pray for them, to intercede for them, and be thankful for them. I don't know about that. Take it up with Timothy when you get to heaven. He'll encourage you on the matter again. I'm not saying... Uh, I'm not saying we have to be thankful for what maybe what they stand for. I am saying you should be thankful for the person. Anyways. Verse 2. For kings, once again, here's the word that y'all are going to like. And all, somebody say all. And all those in authority. And it goes on to say that we may live, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Pray for those, be thankful for those, intercede for those, for all people. Timothy goes on, for kings and all those in authority. Whenever you begin to do that, what Timothy then encourages us is this, we can live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. The, I'll try to really careful how I say this. All kings and all those in authority mean no matter what party they are with. Well, I don't like President Joe Biden. Once again, if you don't want to pray for him, talk to Timothy. Don't talk to me. Talk to Timothy. That's what he tells you to do. I don't want to be thankful for him. Have you seen what's going on in the economy? Talk to Timothy. Timothy told us to pray for him. I don't like Vice President Kamal Harris. I don't care. Timothy said this. Well, I don't like President Donald, uh, ex-president, whatever you want to call him, Donald Trump. Some of y'all still president and praying for you guys because it's not a thing. But anyways, <sighs> pray for them, intercede for them thankful for them i know maybe not everything's right that they do but you can still find reasons to be grateful and thankful and pray and intercede ask for things to change but not what you want what god wants i don't like ron DeSantis. okay you know what there's probably things i don't like about him too i'm sorry if i just offended you but there's probably i can i mean this pretty much goes for all politicians there are things i don't like about them but you know what 
I still know what the Bible tells me I'm to do as a Christian. And as a byproduct of that, I can live peaceful and quiet in all godliness and holiness because I realize what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. And the problem is we've had too many pastors and too many Christians and people like that that have got up and spoke against people and against politicians and against political systems and all these things for so long that the church no longer knows how to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness and we are very unholy because we are very outspoken there we go I'm not saying that the church should never say anything please don't misunderstand me okay because we're gonna some people will take this because I've had it done numerous times and turn it into this I'm not saying the church should never say anything and it should never stand up for righteousness and holiness. But you know where righteousness and holiness should be stood up for? Is in the church to the people that attend your church for pastors, whenever people are attending church. This is my opportunity to help teach what righteousness and holiness is and what living peaceful with the Lord is and living in the godliness. This is my opportunity to teach that. And then from that, the church should naturally, from the business and the different realms that there is in the world to naturally begin to shift and change things and then it's going to reflect on the government so we got to pray your kingdom come and lord as your kingdom is coming i will pray for every government official whether i like them or i don't like them i know you've called me to i will pray for my pastor i will pray for leaders i'll pray for deacons i'll pray for elders i'll pray for the apostles i'll pray for everybody you put in authority or mind. i'll pray for my i'll pray for my boss even though he cussed me out yesterday you know what lord I know this is going on, but you know what, God? You and Timothy's already encouraged us to do this, so I'm going to do it. And now I can walk in godliness and holiness because I'm following the ways of the Lord. If you were, if you will just worry about yourself and stop worrying about everybody else's walk and everyone else's talk, and everyone else's stance. And just look at yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Like, check things. Put things, what? In order. In order. I'm probably getting in trouble for this later, but it's okay. Your kingdom come. That's what we're praying. Timothy admonishes us and encourages us to do this. So, I've already spoke on this, but I'm going to give you the three things really quick, real quick that Timothy is encouraging to pray for. Number one is the church. Pray for the church. Doorway of utterance to be spoken. Wisdom in making decisions. These are things that you can pray for when you're praying for your church. You know, um, many people think that pastoring and leading a church is preaching on Sundays, and then we have the rest of the week off. We come in and we preach on Sunday, you get the rest of the week off, and you preach on Sunday. That is not pastoring. That's preaching. That's not pastoring. And I'm sorry if you've been a part of a church in the past, possibly that hurts you, and maybe that was the stance that that was pastoring, was I just preach you, and if you get it, you get it. If you don't, too bad. That's not pastoring. Pastoring is caring and loving for people and shepherding people, keeping people from wolves in sheep's clothing, watching over people, not lording over people, watching over people. And there's a difference because there's the flip side of where there is 
um, there is, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's spiritual abuse side where pastors have taken the role of God in people's lives and lord over to such a way that's like you can't even go out to Applebee's without being called and told you're a sinner because you went to a place that has a bar present. And I'm not making this stuff up. This is stuff I've heard of. And some people probably have lived this out. And that's not good either. Pastoring is, is, is work. It is, it is work for sure. And there's things that Pastor Chelsea and I do. And we've told this, listen, we are always, always, always here for our church, no matter who it is. I've gotten calls in the middle of Disney World. They, someone needed a counseling session immediately. We're in the middle of Disney World on vacation with our kids. You know what? I said, son, uh, it's, it's 11.15. We'll go sit down. Boys, y'all eat lunch. Mom and dad have to take this conversation. We're going to deal with this thing. Listen, that is pastoring. That's helping and shepherding. Now, I want you to, there's a flip side. All pastors need time. They need rest. They need a break. They need a breather. And you know what? That's one of the things that you can pray for. Lord, find ways to give them Sabbath. Find ways to give them rest. And I'll be honest with you. In a few weeks, Pastor Chelsea and I are taking a a seven-day Sabbath with no kids. We will miss a Sunday. We will miss you, but you won't be missed, if you know what I mean. And we're going on vacation to celebrate our 11-year wedding anniversary. And we're excited for that, amen? Like, it's, it's cool. We, we're, we're, and I'll go and say while I'm here, I'm thankful that the Lord has blessed us with such an incredible church. And this has been really since day one. It really has. Even though we were small, we were tiny but mighty. We were, we were lean and mean, but really loving. Ever since the beginning, you know, if we had to miss, we've always had people that could step up and keep running things smoothly. And I'm grateful that the Lord brought us such incredible people here in the Crestview area to help minister to us. You, you, you will never know, no matter how many times I say it, you will never know in this church how much you are a ministry to Pastor Chelsea and I. And how much we love and are so grateful that God brought you here. Whether it is the smallest little thing that you do, you'll never know how appreciated you are. And I do my best <laughs> to show that honor and appreciation all the time. But there's no way that I, and the reason I say you'll never know is because I can never fully express it. Because it really is, the gratitude is too deep for words how thankful we are that you're here ministering to us. So we say thank you. We honor you in this room. So anyways, I'm going to get off something and start crying, so let's not go there. Pray for your church. Pray for, your, for a doorway of utterance. Pray for people in the church next to civil government. Pray for the civil government. Pray that we may pray for them. We talked about this a little bit. So that what? We may lead peaceful and quiet lives. And then lastly, play, play. pray for your employment, your boss, and your job. Pray for your employment, your boss, and your job, even if you don't like it. Pray for them anyways. Maybe you're praying, um, Lord, send me something. I love these people. But Lord, send me something else. Pray. Pray about it. Ask the Lord. Amen. All right, let's keep going. We'll maybe get through this today. So it says, your kingdom come. And he goes on, Jesus goes on to say this. After that, he says, your will be done. Where? As er- on earth 
as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are we praying next? When you pray, pray heaven into earth. Pray heaven into earth. Declare in prayer the vision God has given you from heaven. If God's given you a vision for something, begin to declare and begin to prophesy and begin to pray that. That's a prophetic prayer. Whenever you're praying with vision of what God has already given to you in, in prophetic vision, it is then prophetic prayer, and you're declaring things into the atmosphere. You say, Lord, let heaven intervene here on earth and let it show forth. And with that, let me say this. You need a war, a good warfare with the words that have already come over you. How many of you have ever received a prophetic word in this church? Maybe not from this church, maybe from another church. Raise your hand. Wave it at me if you've ever received a prophetic word. Awesome. If you haven't, listen, we're a prophetic church, which, we, which means this. We believe God is still speaking. We believe that God, Holy Spirit, still speaks through the mouth of people. We believe the Holy Spirit, can, and I believe the Holy Spirit can speak through you. I don't care who you are in this room. If you call on the name of the Lord, I believe the Lord can speak through you. Maybe he doesn't right now. Maybe you're not interested in it. Okay, that's fine. But it doesn't change the fact that I believe wholeheartedly the Holy Spirit can speak through anybody. Don't put yourself below a donkey. Three people got that. One time, God spoke through a donkey. Think about that. This man thought he was Eddie Murphy from Dr. Doolittle. Or, or what's the other? Uh, or Shrek. You got Donkey. He's in the, in the morning. I'm making waffles, right? If God can speak through a donkey, he can definitely speak through you. You can write that down, tweet it. I don't care. Go for it. So pray heaven and earth. War go war. Oh, I remember what's going. War go war for the, the prophecies that come over you. If you've ever received a prophetic word, what it means to war a good warfare of the words that come over you is you take those words that you've received and you begin to pray those words. And I don't mean verbatim, I mean what the Lord has spoken through the mouth of a prophet, then you begin to say, Lord, I am praying and believing that these things will come to pass. I'm decreeing and I'm declaring, Lord, in your timing, in your purpose, in your will, in your plan, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, Lord, this was your will in heaven when Jesus was seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. And, he's, and, and, and now the prophetic word of the Lord's come over my life. And, Lord, this was your will for me, and this is your will for me. So now I pray it into existence. Lord, let it take place. Let it happen. That's how you war a good warfare with the words. And listen to me. The biggest way to lose the, the war of the word that has come over your life is for you not to war with it and go decide to do something else. Which honestly, most of the time, the reason that we miss God's word is because we decide in our flesh to go do something else anyways. And so that's why anytime you're about to make a big decision, I'm just encouraging you right now. Anytime you're about to make a big decision in your life, Go back to the words that have come over you. Go back to the word of God and see if this is in line with the word before you make that big decision. Amen? You also need to pray when, you, when you're praying. Now, I want you to hear me. We're going through this as a blueprint. And I know, once again, I said this last week, this is teaching, not preaching as much. I'm teaching things. Um, so it's not quite as fun, if you will. It's, it's a lot of absorbing and learning. But whenever you pray, uh, I'm not saying you have to pray this every single time, okay? Like, you don't have to go through this bullet point prayer list every single time you pray. But what I'm encouraging you is that Jesus gave us blueprints on things that we should pray often, okay? These are things that should be prayers that we should—you have seven days a week to pray. 
seven days a week pray, you can find time to pray some of these topics throughout your week every week. You can. It can happen. I mean, the first one's easy. Just acknowledge the name of the Father. That's the way you should pray every time. You should always pr- pray, Father, I thank you, or God, I thank you, as an acknowledgement of name. That should be one of the first things you always do in your prayers, that you are, you are directing your prayer to him. Amen? Okay, he goes on to say, let's keep going, let's keep going. I don't want to keep us here. He goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean? That means it's okay to pray to receive provision and prosperity. It's okay to pray to receive provision and prosperity. Now, maybe for some of your ears, maybe prosperity is not a good word. So let me say it like this. It's okay to pray for provision and supply. For the Lord to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's okay to pray that way. It's okay to pray for the Lord to provide and be, and and listen, I I believe it's the Lord's will that you walk in the blessing of the Lord, that you walk in blessing in every area of your life, in financial blessing, in health blessing, all the different areas that God can bless you in. I believe that is his will, amen? But I want you to hear this. Prayer is not a magic wand of provision. I'll say that again. You may want to write it down. Prayer is not a magic wand of provision. This is why. There are still principles that we are called to live out in our lives. You can write it down like this if you want to. Prayer empowers the promises to come to pass as we live out the principles. Prayer empowers the promises to come to pass as we live out the principles. You can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, but if you're not living out principles, you probably aren't going to see it in your life. There's principles that God gives us. I'm going to give you a couple principles real quickly about what are the principles of give us this day our daily bread. What are the things that we need to live out so that those prayers, the prayers of a righteous man avail much, right? The effective fervent prayers of a righteous man avail much. How are our prayers effective in the area of our finances whenever we pray, give us this day our daily bread? Well, we have to be in right standing with God in these different areas that he's given us to be in right standing with. Number one is this. You need to live a lifestyle of giving. If you want provision to be poured out in your life, you need to live a lifestyle of giving. That means being faithful in the area of tithes and offerings and other areas of generosity that the Lord calls you to be generous in. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to live on broke down, busted, and disgusted street if you don't. But what I am saying is there's greater promises and there's greater fulfillment in being someone who lives to give. That's how God was. God loved the world so much, he did what? He gave. God's a giver. He gave life to you. He gave life to all of us. He gave his son, Jesus, So God is a giver, so we should be givers. Number two is this, proper confession. Proper confession. You need to speak God's word. You got to speak God's word over your finances and over your situation. Amen? Number three is this, you got to run the devil off. Run the devil off. What's that mean? In Malachi 3, when talking about the tithe, it says, he will rebuke the devourer for our sake. The word rebuke there means to beat back or to arrest the devourer for you. Listen, when you're faithful in giving, you run the devil off. That's what Malachi is talking about here. He's saying, listen, when you do this, the Lord arises and rebukes the devourer for our sake. And now some people, Lord, some people go, well, that was agriculture, and they're talking about seed, and they're talking about, and if it's not edible, then it's not the tithe. Listen to me. It was an agricultural society. That was their money. Guess what? They didn't have a Benjamin Franklin to pay for things. And they didn't have a MasterCard. And they didn't have an Amex that they could run up credit debt, okay? What they had, 
was things, possessions. They had land. They had uh, animals. They had food. They had these things. So when God is speaking here, when Malachi is speaking here, what he's actually speaking about, yes, he's talking about the seed, and yes, he's talking about those things. But because of that, he is talking about finances because that was the society the society of where they were at at the time and so you have to understand when you read the word of God you have to understand times and seasons and and placement and how it all is at the time and all that you have to understand context and without context the word seems very interesting and doesn't make any sense but whenever you bring context into order and in the right place there's greater understanding and revelatory knowledge that begins to come forth so i encourage you in your own bible reading time which i hope you do have i encourage you to find ways to find the context of scriptures amen simply a google works sometimes sometimes you get some they're like what next is proper work ethic we'll end at the end of this one, you'll just stay with me for a couple more minutes. Proper work ethic. To receive that provision of prosperity, you got to pr- practice the principle of a proper work ethic. Scripture is very clear on this. It says if a man don't work, you don't eat. If a woman don't work, she don't eat. Now, please understand me. Any stay-at-home dads or stay-at-home moms, that's work. Okay? What the Scripture is talking about here is if you're sitting at home on your blessed assurance playing video games or just going out to eat and doing... You know, just watching TV all day long, being a couch potato, for lack of better words, and all and that's all you do with your life. The blessing of God is not going to be abounding in your life. If man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. God, you go back to Genesis once again, Adam, when he's, he, he calls man to work in the very beginning. And all throughout the, 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 the Bible, you see there's callings to work all throughout. Jesus worked. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus had a job. You should get one. Once again, tweet that, please. <laughs> Jesus had a job. You're called to work. You're called to, you, should, you should have something that you're doing with your hand. Amen? Supply. That's how supply comes. Yes, I understand supply comes from a paycheck, but the paycheck is just a, a source that God is using to supply to you. And I've seen time and time again where God has went beyond, beyond the paycheck of supply and into his abundant provision. I can tell you time after time that we've gotten money and check in the mail and we're like, what? Where did this come from? I don't know. I can show you time and time after again where the Lord just turned things in real estate and everything to where it worked out for our good. And we were able to sell our home two different times, two different homes, two different times and buy homes for very low and then sell them at a very good price to where we were able to bring provision into our life. Not, and that didn't come necessarily just from us making wise decisions. I believe wholeheartedly it came from the Lord because if I believe it came from, even if I did believe it came from making wise decisions, I have to understand that my decisions were led by the Lord. The righteous man's steps are ordered by God. So if I'm walking in righteousness and he's ordering my steps, then that means everything from that that takes place in my life, the provision that happens because the steps I took still all the way goes back to God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the fathers, what the scripture says. But we got to have a proper work ethic. The next one is this. You got to have financial order in your finances. We can just say order in your finances. Order in your life, you have order in your finances. Some of y'all are really not going to like me after this. I'm going to end here too. It's going to be great. You got to bring chaos into order for some of us. 
And I'll be honest, as a younger person myself, turned 31 in a, in a couple weeks, and as a younger person myself, um, the temptation to be wild with your finances is definitely there. Meaning this, influencers are everywhere and you want to be just like them. But in order to be just like them, you have to spend money on a lot of different things that you don't need in your life. I got to have this and I got to have this and I got to have that. And, and you are being chaotic with your, well, everybody's posted about this new Starbucks drink, but you don't have money to buy the Starbucks drink. Let's be honest, okay? Like you don't have the money to buy that every day. Quit it. <laughs> That's all this thing I got like me. Well, I heard Chick-fil-A got new food. Well, I mean, it's the Lord's chicken, but that's not, that's, not, that's not financial order. Well, there's some really good food trucks in Crestview. Yeah, but you can't even afford to buy groceries. And it's wild that we think that we can live in such a manner, but then just go, Lord, bless me. Like we're like bippity-boppity-boo blessing. Bippity-boppity blessings. That's what, that's what we get right there. That's how we treat prayer. Bippity-boppity blessing me. And like, that's not the way it works. It's these principles that we have to practice. Listen, if, if you're eating at Starbucks, if you're getting Starbucks and you're eating at food trucks every day or every other day and you can't afford it, quit it. Start packing a sandwich. Make a coffee at home. Do so, I, know, I know it's not as good as Starbucks always. However, I, I thank the Lord, my pastor, my pastor, uh, she is my pastor, Pastor Chelsea, the one who watches over me. She's my, my apostle, my evangelist, my teacher. She's the full fivefold ministry. Sixfold is my wife. <laughs> my wife, she uh, finally got delivered from buying a new coffee machine every month. <laughs> we were buying new coffee machines because she was trying to find the right coffee machine that would replace her Starbucks addiction. I mean, problem. I mean, budget. I can talk about her this way because she's not in here. She'll know. I know. She, we decided to buy an espresso machine. And I know they're a little bit expensive. Uh, but you know what? They're actually far cheaper than going to Starbucks every single day <laughs> and Little Haven every single day. I say that to say this. There are things that you can do that are very um, elementary and basic in your life to help the principles of your finances and bring chaos into order. Once again, make a sandwich. Drink a coffee at home. Uh, whatever you got to do. You can, there's certain areas you can cut. I'm really going to make you upset now. If you can't tithe because of your spending habits, not because of your bills, okay? I understand everybody's got bills and electricity. Lord, we just pray right now for FPL, right? Like we understand that bills are expensive. Things are expensive. It don't seem like they're coming down right now. Groceries are expensive. I get it, okay? But if you can't tithe because you can't not go to Starbucks then your finances are not in order. Simple as that. If you can't tithe because you go out and do everything everywhere around Crestview that costs money, but then you're going, I don't know, I don't have the money to tithe, your finances aren't in order, and you're going to, guess what? You're going to continue to not have the money. 
it's just a cyclical thing. It's just a cycle that's going to keep going. When we put our, 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 our lives in order, our finances need to follow. And if God's first, I believe, and you can disagree with me, that's okay. There's, listen, there's, I'm good with people disagreeing with me. I don't have a problem if someone disagrees with me. At the same time, I want you to understand, I also know what the Word of God says, and I understand, once again, the themes. I understand the culture that was that day and all these other things. You can disagree with me about the fact of that you don't have to tithe, but I do believe it's a principle that we should practice as people of God. If you don't practice that, guess what? We still love you. Like, it's okay. You're still welcome here 100%. Andy Moen's not going to kick you out next week, I promise. We still love you. We still appreciate you. We're just glad you're here. And, man, this is going everywhere, but it's okay. I do want to say this. Tithe is also not just financial. I believe tithe is time. I believe tithe is resources. I believe tithe is ability. It's 10% of those things as well. And maybe right now you are in that point where you're like, I can give 10% of my time. And I don't mean literally like all your time that you have. But I'm saying like, you can give a tithe of, or offering of your time, but you can't give financially. Start there. Start giving somewhere. And as a byproduct, when you start seeing the fulfillment of God begin to take place in your life, it naturally just begins to happen. Andy Moen's got an incredible testimony about this. And one day I'm going to have him share it. Probably when we finally do our finance series and it's quiet as a mouse in here. But his incredible testimony about living a life like that. And listen, whenever you start just giving, you start doing this thing, you start practicing these things, I promise you, you begin to see the blessing of God, it just becomes more natural for you. Pastor Chelsea and I, we give more now than we've ever given. And this year, we're going to give even more than we've ever given in days past because we just believe in living a lifestyle of giving. And you know, we're not just giving to the church, we're giving to people around us too. We bless people around us as much as we can. I understand you're not going to be able to give to everybody who asks. But whenever the Lord's provided for you and you can give, man, be that blessing to somebody. And I promise you it comes back on every wave. Amen? And the last thing I'm going to say is when we're saying, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. It's not just financial. It's also, let's pray, give us this day our daily bread, daily revelation knowledge. Lord, give us daily revelation knowledge of the goodness of who you are. Lord, give us daily revelation knowledge of your word. Give us daily revelation knowledge of your spirit working around us. So, Lord, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be surrounding us so that we can see what you're doing. And, and listen, if you, if, if you begin to pray in that manner, I want you to hear me. He wants to speak to you. God wants to reveal things to you. He wants to show you his ways. But guess what? We have to come into agreement with the word of God and say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And from that, we, be we begin to receive that provision and prosperity. And we'll begin to receive that daily revelation knowledge. But I'm going to tell you once again, and this whole message wasn't about finances. It was just a little part of the message. But it's important to practice the principles of your finances whenever you pray. I'm a... I'm just all over stirring people up today. But the Bible actually talks about that those that don't tithe are robbing from God. And if there's one person that I don't want to rob from, is the person that gave everything so liberally and freely. I don't want to be known as that. I want to be known as a person who gives to God what's, what's really commanded, what's asked of us. 
So I want us to be a church that practices that principle, not just so that we have money at the church, because listen, God will provide no matter what. If it, I, I, you want to talk about crazy? I'm crazy in the way of this. I firmly believe if everybody in this room said, I'm not going to tithe, God would find a way to provide. I believe it. Now, let's not, let's not test our faith today, okay? I firmly believe that, though. I believe that God would find ways of provision because if he calls you to somewhere, he pays for you to be there. There's doors of opportunity that begin to take place and happen. And we know that we're not here on accident. And for those of you that know the whole story of the inception of this church, it was 100% God, not us. We were not disgruntled and mad with Panama City and said, we're going to go do our own thing, but just call us high praise, please. No, like this was God divine ordered set up. And I believe fully if God orders something, he provides for it. Amen. But even as a church, let me say this real quickly. Even as a church, we have to practice these principles corporately. I'm not talking about just like individually corporately. I'm talking about like the church finances. We have to live these out. We have to declare over the finances of this house. You'll live and not die. You're going to be a blessed. This house will be a house that's blessed so that we can be blessed to be a blessing. You know what? We have a pretty strong work ethic in this church. We have a lot of events that take place. We have a lot of things that are going on. We have a lot of community outreach that we do. That's proper work ethic. And guess what? We have to have our finances in order. We can't just go spend, spend, spend on everything and never check anything. We have to watch what we're spending even as a church. And I believe that once again, as we do this, the Lord begins to pour out his blessings abundantly upon us. But these are some ways, a few more ways. we got one more week of this, and I know next week I'm not going to share on it, and neither am I Easter week, and we'll pick back up in a couple weeks. So just keep this in your, in your notes somewhere on your phone or whatever. We'll come back to it, and we're going to finish how Jesus taught us to pray. But listen, these are a few different ways, extra ways now that you can begin to pray and come into alignment with the Word of God and how Jesus taught us to pray. Amen. Will you stand to your feet so we can pray this morning? I'm going to pray and dismiss you. Come on, let's pray together, church. Lord, I just thank you right now for this word. Thank you, Lord, that you've opened up our ears, you've opened up our eyes, you've opened up our hearts to receive of what you've said today. I thank you, God, right now, that we won't be just hearers of the word, but we'll be doers also. We won't just be people that heard something but never make any change, never implement anything. But, Lord, we'll be those that take the word and apply it and run with the word of God. I thank you, Father, as we do that, Lord, you begin to pour out your blessings. You begin to open up doors of opportunity. You're with us, Father. Lord, so we just thank you right now for this word. We say yes and amen. Let it be so in every heart and every mind. We give you praise, honor, and glory for it right now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Well, you've got a hand clap of praise in this room today. Hallelujah.